Hi, I'm Kieran Cook and welcome to At Source Podcast, a place where natural health and well-being are at the forefront of the conversation. Gain useful insights direct from the source from doctors, industry experts, wellness advocates and everything in between. This is a place for busy people who want to get to the core of health and wellness with information about the latest health advances and trends. In this series, we talk with and learn from inspiring leaders from all walks of life, touching on important topics that will help answer some of the key questions about natural health, well-being, fitness, and all things direct from the source. Carolyn Enting grew up on a rural two-acre block of native bush on Blue Mountains Road, Upper Hutt, New Zealand. Being surrounded by nature and trees, she described it as a magic place to grow up, hang out, read and dream. She started her journey in journalism over 27 years ago and is now the editor of Good Magazine, where she gets to report on and share incredible stories of well-being, lifestyle, food, travel, beauty and much more. Hello, Carolyn. It's so good to have you on the At Source podcast. How have you been? I've been fantastic, thank you, and thanks, Karen, so much. I've been really enjoying, and I'm looking forward to this. It's, it's just great to have you here today to talk about yourself, a little bit more about yourself, and Good Magazine. Um, I'm looking forward to our chat. I know that you're currently on a deadline, a tight deadline for print for the next issue. Yes, we are. We start sending files to print tomorrow, so we're under the gun. Are you still a small team of three at uh, Good Magazine? Yeah, we are a small team, um, although we do have an overarching support of SCG, our parent company, um, so we can kind of tap into their HR, their IT support, um, all that lovely stuff. So, um, mm. But we are on the ground a really small team, and uh, so and we, we means that we can be nimble as well, and um, we all work really hard and we're all very passionate about what we do. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. I mean, you do sort of need uh, that wider level of support. I mean, I guess particularly too with uh, the pandemic and just needing, you know, that wraparound. It's not like really business as usual. We're trying to make things as business as usual as we can, right? Uh, look, I, you know, like I said, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. And I wanted to start off by asking just about your journey, where you grew up. And I, I can see you've, you've got a strong connection with nature, Um as a young child and you had a tree trunk in the middle of your lounge. So do tell me more. Yes, well, I grew up in the Blue Mountains Road and Silver Stream area in Upper Hutt. Um, my dad was a natural history photographer. His name was Brian Enting. Um, and uh, my mother was a potter. Um, her name was Sally. And she was also um, into homeopathy. And um, she was like a green goddess back before, and buying organic back before um, it was even fashionable. So um, I grew up eating organic food. Um, we had we lived on two acres of bush, and as you say, we did have a tree going through our lounge. Um, and it was an amazing lounge. It was a double story with these beautiful big windows that looked right out over two acres of bush and over the Tararua mountain ranges. Um, and I used to, it's got growth rings up the tree when I used to spin around. Um, when I was a kid because I had a medical alert bracelet because I was allergic, well, I'm allergic to penicillin. And um, so as a, it was just so much fun going around in the parquet floor and swinging around this tree. And and over the years, you see these marks on the tree going up. So, um, yeah. Oh, a- so you were, measured, you were measured against the tree. Most of us get measured against the inside of a kitchen door or something. So you yeah. were measured up against the tree. I like it. <laughs> oh, and it was amazing. And I, I suppose it's not unusual that I got into magazines with dad being in photography and we had a lot of books in the house. So the tree was kind of 
um, held up a mezzanine library, so to speak, over the lounge and was a space to go in to read and relax. And mm. Yeah, so it was a very, very magical upbringing and very good for being creative. I spent a lot of time learning to be on my own because we were far away from a lot of people, I had to catch a rural bus and things like that. Mm. Well, that, that could, could sort of speak to your um, joy around dreaming because I'm always jealous of people that dream. And I was going to talk to you a little bit about that because I think there's some solitude uh, to, you know, to do with dreaming and you seem to, you know, talk about dreaming quite a bit. And as a child, you sort of had dreams about, for example, becoming a journalist and at the young age of 14, sort of fell in love with the adventures of journalism. And I just sort of thought that was really interesting. It must have been sort of the the promise of journalism that that allured you. So tell me a little bit about that, because you know that that sort of knowingness at fourteen that's quite a young age to have that calling. Yeah, I I just knew straight away when I discovered journalism that that was what I wanted to do. Um, I was interested in lots of different things. I was I was sort of drawn to fashion design. I was drawn to um, glass blowing at some point when I was very young um, and I thought basically what inspired me um, was I was at a school fair and I picked up these books and I've still got them um, three books of Sally Baxter Girl Reporter um, I picked them up for like 10 cents at a book fair <laughs> Um, sorry, I probably held it up way too quickly. I can and, see that. Yep. Yeah. And um, they're really lovely old books. And they're about this girl, Sally, who um, I think her uncle works on Fleet Street. And she's in the holiday, she goes and she ends up on these amazing adventures um, and travels and writes about all these interesting things. And I suddenly thought, journalism, my gosh, it means I can write about lots of different things and still have a really interesting career. And so straight away, that was it for me. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, it is it is possible to have a vision like that at a young age. I know that I had a similar experience at fifteen when I sort of decided I wanted to be an art teacher. Um, so I had a, I've had a previous life in, in education, but I you know probably like you worked with that singular focus for a long time um, until I was able to kind of satisfy that that goal. So um, I do get it, and you know I think that. Obviously, journalists are storytellers and have great stories to share. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about some of your exciting, most exciting or life-changing experiences on this journey of yours. I've got a few funny stories. Like when I first, um, when I interviewed Kerry Takanawa, and I was absolutely petrified because, you know, this is diva and I was very young. I was Mm. probably only 18 in my first job and my editor said look it's a press conference don't worry about thinking of any questions just turn up listen to what the other journalists ask and write it down and come back and write your story and I thought well that's not how they trained me I I'm I have to think of a few questions so I thought of three questions and then when I got there they said oh sorry it's changed there's no press conference now you're getting 10 minute individual slots so I had this face-to-face with Kerry in this hotel room. I was absolutely, I walked in there and um, she just sat there. She looked so beautiful and she was actually lovely and, and kind. And and uh, anyway, I asked my three questions and I didn't know what else to say. So I just said to her, well, thanks very much. And I got up and I just walked out. <laughs> to there. You should have asked her to like roll out a number for you, like sing something for me. Oh, yeah. it was so funny. But now I don't 
you know, you don't have that same fear when you when you interview someone yes. scary. And then yeah. I had another funny interview where I was interviewing um Hillary like Hillary Alexander, who was, you know, very famous New Zealand um, fashion editor of the Daily Telegraph for a long time. And um, when, I, when I was in Milan and in Paris, she was very kind to me and she, being a fellow Kiwi, and she gave me a few story tips and, and leads um, that I was able to follow up on. And so then years later, she was a guest coming to um, be a judge at the ID Fashion Awards in Dunedin. And I was doing this big interview on the phone. And when I rang, I, she, had, she had no clue who I was. She didn't remember at all. Hmm. And she just said, oh, look, I've only got 10 minutes. She said, I'm very, very busy. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, but I thought we had an hour. And no, I've only got 10 minutes. I'm very busy. Mm. And, and then she just started sort of saying to me, ask me a question. And she starts yelling at me and going, ask me a question. <laughs> and so I just cut all the nice chit-chat preamble, went straight into the questions. We talked for over an hour. I couldn't shut her up. And she chain-smoked the whole way through. <laughs> wow. It yeah. was so funny. Interesting. It was, I mean, it was amazing. And she was just so stressed about a deadline. But then when she got into it, she was loving it so much. We just didn't even, oh, it was just, it was just so much fun. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, she was, she was great, but I just had to laugh at that. But, um, oh yeah, anyway. Lots of different, lots of different experiences. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean probably, you would have had heaps. It's quite hard to pluck out. I've really hard to pluck out because I was trying to think about it and, you know, um, and there was another one which was mortifying. We were in the newsroom and I was interviewing um, Jesus um, Garcia, who's a very well-known um, tenor, um, opera singer. And um, I'd never met anyone with that name before. And, of course, the spelling of his name is Jesus. And so I rang up the hotel and I said, oh, hello, I understand that um, Jesus is staying at the hotel. <laughs> and and um can I please speak to Jesus um because everyone and the office starts going oh my god because they could hear this and I couldn't stop this train wreck and uh, he answers the phone and I'm like oh hello is that you Jesus and we were just like crying by the end of it um but what everyone else was I was still completely you know Non plus, and then he reaches over, oh, yes, well, and I said to him, Well, what is it like being called Jesus? You know, and he's like, Well, my dad was a Zeus, and you know, my grandfather was a Zeus, and and then I and then the penny dropped, and I was just like, oh. oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. But I don't know, these these are great work stories, and then they are they they, they're kind of real and, life, yeah, and they kind and, of almost strip you of any ego that you might have had left, <laughs> absolutely. And he was so lovely and I'm sure it wasn't the first time it happened to him but he was just so gentle with me and he didn't ever say hey you've got it wrong he was very very elegant about it all so the ones the stories that really light me up are the the one that's most meaningful you know that um about the environment because that really ticks my boxes um you know the environment will always get my vote and uh so um like I've just recently um interviewed Jamie Joseph from Saving the Wild charity and she's doing phenomenal work with helping um getting you know poachers off the the land and um causing Mm. all these issues and um she's just released a book um about these amazing elephants with park road post in wellington which is winning all these awards around the world and is going to be released soon um and just meeting people like that it's just really super inspiring um yeah 
Yeah. So, and that that does underpin. I'm just going to leap in and say that does seem to underpin a lot of what you do. You know, it's all about uh, making a difference and um, you know communicating goodness and just promoting you know conscious living. So I think that uh, obviously your role at uh, Good Magazine is just a perfect fit for you. Um, and uh, you know I, I can sort of see just through the aspirational stories that you're writing for the magazine that it is uh, very much. Um, just a great, great position and alignment for you. Uh, I'm really interested just to hear a little bit more about Good Magazine. I mean, you've just shared a little bit about how you sort of landed into um, the work that you do, but more specifically, um, you've got a little story, a backstory there about how you sort of got into the role of being an editor for the magazine. Um, I don't think that sort of, I think you were away when you were on an assignment or freelancing and you met and the job was pretty much offered to you, sort of a little unexpected, yeah? Yes, yes. I was, um, Felina, I've speaking about dreaming before. I I got to a point, I think my first um, issue of Good Magazine was all about dreaming and learning to dream again because I'd been in a role previously where I kind of got burnt out. Um, I'd been working, you know, 24-7 for several years and I just needed to take a break. So I decided to go freelance and um, and I went to Guatemala. My partner kept saying to me, mm. well, where would you like to go? Anywhere in the world. And I said to him, I'm so burnt out, I can't even actually think pick something so, yeah. and, he kept, and he kept on saying what about Guatemala I'm like oh my god why what about Guatemala and um and then I eventually just sort of wore me down and I, I couldn't think of a better option at, at short notice and I said well why not let's just book it so we were in Guatemala and you know very quickly became um you know much more relaxed and regrounded and of course when you take space for yourself that's when you creativity and dreaming starts to re-enter and so that's why I think it's so important to have you know practices of mindfulness and to be able Mm. to make space for yourself if you can and um, so I was sitting on a beach and I got this LinkedIn message pop up um, basically saying hey here you've left da 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 and would you be interested in um, coming to work at um, ICG at the time I didn't know that it was good magazine and it wasn't yeah. until I came back after a month and suddenly remembered, oh, that's right. Somebody messaged me on LinkedIn. I should probably reply to that again and let them know I'm back. So um, they got me in a meeting the next day and offered me the job. So, um, and it was funny because oh, I was yeah. really enjoying being freelance and actually having been master of my own destiny. But, um, but I couldn't say no to good when they offered me good. It's all about it's everything that I'm about. So I had to, I just mm. couldn't turn it down. Mm, well, let's talk about that because I know that um, you're passionate about good and the work that you're doing there. So just, you know, just some, um, I guess, just a little extrapolation around what good stands for. Well, good stands for well-being for you, well-being for the planet. Um, you know, our tagline when I first um, started working there six years ago, I kind of created this tagline for conscious living consumers who love lifestyle and the planet. I guess that was a little bit because I came from a fashion background and I there was an idea of, that you can't be a conscious consumer if you are into fashion, which I is to me bullshit. So I, yeah. you know, you can really deeply care about mm. fashion. I mean, sorry about the environment and mm. well-being, mm. Um, and still, you know, dress well um, and dress consciously. Uh, and so, Good Magazine um, is, you know, our main pillars are well-being um, and environment, mindfulness. Um, our readers love 
to read about gardening as well and home, but they're really most interested in well-being and mm. um, conscious living. So that's where we stand, and we um, are proudly printed on FFC paper with vegetable soy ink. Um, mm. And we yes, read that carbon carbon um, free, right? Is it how it's? Well, yeah, the, it's it's environmentally sourced um, paper. Yes, and yes, on, yeah, on, on carbon things. neutral paper. That's the one. That's and the one. there was that impressive stat that you you were sort of saving. Um, well, I think the National Geographic did a study on um, carbon neutral paper, right? And it showed that the average life cycle of its magazine produced up to the equivalent of driving your car for about three k. And that got me thinking, wow, I wonder what sort of savings you're having at good. Have you actually measured that? No, I, I haven't. But that's a really good question. We should we should look at that because that could be a really great thing to talk about. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And we were just, we were actually, um, we reached, we were in the finalists for the People's Choice Awards at the Magazine Media Awards last week as well. So I was that's incredibly fantastic. stoked yeah. about that. Yeah. I mean, that, that's huge. I uh, just, uh, just wanted to go back to that, and I've got an interest in fashion too, and I know that a lot of our listeners will, and it's not something we've actually talked a lot about um, on the At Source podcast, but are you sort of profiling um, you know, designers in New Zealand that are doing good work in this space? Absolutely. Um, I'm currently, funny but, enough, wearing, wearing yeah. Karen, Karen Walker now. She's um, This is a beautiful organic cotton blouse. Um, mm. We've recently done a big interview with Karen, and she's doing amazing things in this space um she's been working with ethical fashion initiative in africa as well um, okay but um yeah. other designers that are really you know paving the way um are koto um oh, yes. amazing amazing brand because they actually um know the cotton growers that actually make grow the cotton right. that then gets woven yeah. into their garments they they know all the people that have met them and they don't mm. use zips on their garments because zips mm. are not there's, there's no sustainable well, they're plastic, for them. aren't they? Yeah, well, plastic, that's right. plastic, 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 all metal, but um, also just yes. sort of um, from yes. the production values, they so they only use buttons, which mm. I found really interesting. Um, Maggie mm. Marilyn is another trailblazer in New Zealand, and we have an incredible mm. number of you know people that are making incredible clothing in New Zealand in the space that we can shout out about. Yeah, it's it's a really good point, and it's just really nice to bring those names to the fore. Uh, and in terms of um, you know the shift with technology, uh, I mean that would have this must be huge for you at the magazine. I mean, I guess I got a sort of a two pronged question here. Um, do you think magazines are challenged in this digital age? Um, you know, at yes. the physical magazine, yes, holding the magazine, turning <laughs> the pages of the magazine. What do you thought? Well, yes and no. Um, this pandemic certainly has helped with magazine sales and I think people have been really enjoying the tactile nature and the escape from staring at a screen. Um, more and more research is coming out showing that it's better for your well-being to be detaching from your screen. Um, and so a lot of people are now going back to books and, and magazines for that reason. So I think that's really great. What it has done is it's put a lot of extra pressure on magazines because there is a less money to go around because now, you know, advertisers are having to put their money into um, digital as well. They're paying influencers. Yes. They're doing social posts. They're doing online advertising. Then, they've got, then you've got, you know, TV, radio, print. Um, so all the traditional channels of media have definitely taken a massive hit. 
um, especially yeah. with a lot of advertising also goes to offshore um, brands like Facebook, um, which isn't yes. spent in the country. So no, 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 that's right. Yeah. So, so there's sort of you got a, you got a couple of things. You've got that wider media industry, um, you know, are, are sort of facing transitions and changes because of those those challenges um, of offshore and onshore and loyalty and spend and and the fact that it's a very sort of fragmented. Um, market too. There's so much choice now for brands, you know, where they go and what they do. Um, but then you've also, as you've pointed out, you've got the pandemic and then you've got sets of behaviours that have become somewhat unique to the situation at the moment. So would you say that, you know, in this pandemic that we're in right now, that you're selling more copies um, of good than you were, say, two years ago? Uh, mm. It's been, there's been a rise overall. Like our sister publication, Dish, has been selling a lot because that's around food. Yes. Um, and we have, there has been a decline overall in the lifestyle um, sector over a few years. Um, you know, what you put been, that it's, down to? Because that's a really huge category and yeah. it's aspirational. So what would you put that? Is it the fact that travel's just off the radar, do you think? Well, yes, travel's definitely been off the radar for a while, but... but um, Hopefully, we'll be getting back into that um, soon. I had a, Bruce, had a really great, um, interesting um, meeting with Bruce Pone Tip, um, who's founder of G Adventures, which is an ethical and sustainable travel company, mm. um, just mm. last week. And they uh, they are just really gearing up to get come back through into the Australian New Zealand market. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be exciting to be able to travel again. Um, mm. You know, goods. No, goods doing well. You know, we we are holding our our own and along that line but it's yes. it's that that yes. line is is not uh, what I'm trying to say is the line is sort of the same for all all in the livestock category yes yeah that's that's right and then obviously with dish um this interest in, in cooking there's probably been a resurgence with people being back at home and staying at home and not being able to sort of dine out as such people are right taking to their own kitchens and having a little bit more ownership would you say that would be the driver for that for the dish sales and the interest, the resurgence. Yeah, well, um, editor Sarah Tuck's an amazing editor and she um, she really knows, she's really got a finger on the pulse of what people want. She thinks about the reader first and foremost and she's really mm. great at delivering that and it's a fantastic mm. magazine. Mm. And you've got a passion, of course, for food and well-being. So how does that sort of play out with the work that you're doing? Oh, it's great. I mean, I've always, you know, obviously was um, eating organic from a long time ago so that I still really try and do that if I can um, and I try and eat whole foods as much as possible um, I'm not perfect like anybody um, and so sure yeah I mean I, I grow my own vegetables in the back garden okay sometimes with yeah. success sometimes not the other day I've just literally grown these courgettes that turned into pumpkins Oh um, gosh! No idea how that happened. I bought the plants as well. So <laughs> very. That's really odd. Haven't heard that one before. So I mean, would you agree that foods tend to sort of trend, particularly sort of whole foods and superfoods? And um, you know, you had spinach and kale. What do you think are sort of you know on trend foods at the moment? Oh gosh. Um, well, probiotics. Anything. With fat and it is still big at the moment because everyone's still talking about gut health. And, mm, true, it's a big topic. Yeah, yes, especially when it is linked to sort of our well-being, um, mental well-being, um, and mm. so many other attributes. So, 
we're actually looking at gut health in our next issue of the magazine mm. and also um, looking at um, sort of what makes us happy in 2022 um, because it's a really tough time at the moment. You know, it, good. We our whole goal is to um, uplift and inspire in a, in a positive and non-preachy way by giving people um, some information that can hold them up and um, also inspire them to make positive change in a world which we're facing with this pandemic with, um, you know, global warming and we've got, as you say, the pandemic for COVID and now we've got, got you know, these warring nations around us, mm. Um, mm. which is incredibly concerning. Um, yes. With another hat on, I'm also an ambassador for Circuit International, which is um, a not-for-profit charity that's run from New Zealand um, and they are based in Myanmar and they're currently in helping um, impoverished people and displaced people in Myanmar and farmers to make a living um, by giving them a hand up. And currently now that the war, there's also a war currently happening in Myanmar. So a lot of people are displaced. And so currently Circuit International are helping mm. that as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's just great work. And in terms of, um, you know, this sort of happiness barometer um, or lack of, it's a very difficult subject to tackle um, in a meaningful way, you know, because people make generalizations around what happiness would look like and social media doesn't help with some of that, right? So the projections of, of happiness, often just projections, um, so without giving too much away, because I realise this is still in the making, in the pot, as it were, um, just I'm just a bit interested here in how you're sort of choosing to tackle that at good. Well, we're, we're kind of, instead of saying be joy, joy, happy, happy, we're, we're sort of talking about mood boosters and also talking about how it's okay not to feel happy all the time because, you know, yeah. we can't, that's not possible and it's not human and it's actually not healthy. And I think you also need a barometer to, to know I mean, I've had, you know, great times of sadness in my life and and they were awful, um, losing both my parents. And now um, having felt those those emotions, you know, I, I really appreciate the highs as well. Yes. Um, yes. But I think, so what we've done is we've, we've done, we're talking about mood boosters and how to support yourself through eating um, we mm -hmm. also went out to our readers and asked them what they thought and mm. um, got their opinion and done a survey and so they've all they've sent in all these suggestions of their favorite um, feel-good books and movies and podcasts and films um, and so we've included that in the issue as well and we've also mm. created um, goods happiness podcast um, sorry playlist on Spotify oh so, nice idea yeah. So you'll be able to yeah. go and download a whole bunch of happy songs that have all been um, recommended by good readers. Mm, that's that's fantastic. So in terms of, um, I guess, the mood boosters, are you um, exploring natural solutions for that? Sort of, you know, nat natural um, products that might be mood enhancers? No, not specifically. Not products. Um, we're looking more at diet and also D nutrition. Yeah, and, me and nutrition. mental mental well being and things like for me, happiness is you know being in nature. I might mm. just really, I just feel really filled up and calm when I'm in nature. When I'm in yes. the garden, yes. if I'm mm. jumping in the the ocean and having a beautiful sea swim, or I'm with you know family and loved ones, I mean that really fills my cup. Yeah, 
Yeah, and you know this whole um, sort of illusion about happiness being a permanent state—it uh, is just rubbish. You used the word mm-hmm. BS before; it is really BS. I think I think it's okay to not be okay, and I think some one of the worst questions out there is, you know, how are you? And we all automatically go, "I'm okay, thanks." Even if you're not okay, you're okay. So I think we have to sort of almost practice uh, a different way of communicating mm-hmm. that would actually allow people to be really honest that it's, oh, I'm not so great today. And that that's actually an okay answer too. Mm. I, so I, totally, I think it's, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. A friend of mine, um, she, she got COVID last week and she ended up posting it on Facebook. She was all, she was quite scared about it all and kind of documented it. And then she was apologising thinking maybe she looked a bit silly being so open and everyone was overwhelmingly positive and said no 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 this is really great and actually it's really good information for us to to get because you know everyone's sort of wondering but halfway through the conversation she kind of admitted actually I I've been having a really tough time and I haven't been talking to anyone about it and she was she opened up this conversation and everyone was suddenly Mm. talking she got support um and it's wonderful and I, I think a lot of women especially um, myself included, we we're very staunch, and we mm. don't we're not very good at asking for help or being vulnerable um, because we think, feel like we have to do it all and be perfect, and and it's okay not to be perfect sometimes. It it is um, it is, and I think that sort of mindfulness is really important. And just while we're on that sort of topic of mindfulness and honesty and authenticity, I know that you practice gratitude and you have for quite a while. We sort of you know document things that happen during the day and things that you might be grateful for. And if you can't write them down, you sort of verbalize them. So how did, how long did it take to kind of form that habit in your life? And and I'm interested in what the benefits are for you. Yeah. Well, I think the benefits are, I don't know, I immediately feel more uplifted and I often do it when I'm driving to work and, mm. and you just sort of even count the day, you know, like first, because the simple as I'm so grateful my partner brought me a cup of tea this morning in bed. I mean, you don't you don't feel silly. You don't feel like that's just too small and diminished. You feel no, like that. No. Okay. I mean, I, no, I I'm think... just I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Because, <laughs> you know, I think I think that many of us feel like we've got to be grateful for mammoth things, things that are sort of substantial or worthy or seriously meaningful. And when you think for that sort of thing it feels like you know quite minuscule no I think I I bring it down to the simple things I think the simple things make you happy simple keeping life simple um you know I I just I'm so grateful I've got a shower with great pressure and I actually have running water you know and I I guess because I've traveled a lot um personally and also through my job um you see so many people that don't have that that you you can't take flushing toilet in a shower for granted um, you can't take good food for granted. So um, that's why I always made baseline. And um, Well, that's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, I'm, I'm living on Waiheke Island at the moment and we, we our tank ran out of water. So simple things like flushing toilets were just completely like out of the question. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, my God, water's like so important. As a townie, you know, just, just living more consciously with the way that we use water, little things like brushing your teeth and not having the tap running. And you just, it does absolutely change your outlook. So I totally get the water analogy. Yeah, yeah well, I grew up on tank water. And so I know exactly what you mean about, you know, not running the tap when you're brushing your teeth and, 
and uh, things like that. And during the water crisis last year in Auckland, mm-hmm. um, I was very good. I'd, I'd turn the shower on and off between soaping and shampoo and and people would say, Look, don't be silly. You don't have kids, Carolyn. So why are you bothering? I don't have kids. I'm still having baths. And I'm go, what? And I'm like, but I'm still doing my bit. And yeah, we have to do our bit. It doesn't matter whether you, if you've got kids, you don't have kids. You, you should all be, we should all be doing it. I don't know. That was my view anyway. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you were taking responsibility, kids, yeah. whether you had kids or not. It wasn't, and I think when you have kids, you have to teach them anyway to take responsibility. So passing on the baton, you know, is what you know. I guess p- parents that were conscious around those things would have done back in that time. Um, I, I love that you believe that you create your own opportunities, and you sort of have quite a um, sort of a vigorous outlook on life around you know limitations being illusions and obstacles a good exercise um and and it sounded like your dad was sort of quite instrumental in founding that for you and with you yes he definitely was um you know he was a great photographer and um we actually have his whole collection we're about to pick it up from the Aerotoy Museum in Masterton my brother and I are going to try and pull his collection together of 60,000 natural history images to do a, a a book and an exhibition and that's going to be a huge project um he sadly passed away in a car accident um, while driving to Mount Rodopehu to photograph the eruption. And um, so he never got to see it erupting ah, which was in yes, person, which was yeah. sad because he, he loved that mountain. Yes. Um, but he he would just get out and make amazing opportunities um, for himself. And people would always say to him, you know, oh, you're, you're so, so lucky. lucky. You're so lucky yeah. you get to go to these places. And he might, well, no. I made it happen like I, he would ask people hey um and he so he taught me that to ask the question because the worst that someone can say to you is no that's right and that's so right. can can I go to this place um that's not normally accessible to the public yes you can um you know can I do this this is what I'm doing explain your project and if you're doing if your intention is right more times at a you know, nine times out of ten, you're going to get a yes. Mm, that's right. I, I learned that lesson in a different way um, back when I was, you know, working more in sales. And we all have a fear of rejection, and we all have a massive fear of the word, you know, letters N O. But really, once once somebody says, once you practice actually somebody going no to you over the course of a week about fifty times, it's amazing how resilient you become <laughs> if someone says no. So it's not actually as bad as we think it is. Um, and I also love the fact that you're a believer, you know, that you must sort of live in the moment. Um, and I and I did. I kind of related to a comment that you made, um, and I, I'd love you to sort of flesh it out a bit more. But the idea that you know we do tend to sort of not appreciate the phases and stages that we're in as we grow. And sometimes, you know, you kind of kick yourself because you go, oh, you know, back then, you know, I didn't look like that or didn't look like this. But really, it's just about living in the moment. Yeah, well, there's lots of aspects to that. Um, I guess I became much more in living in the moment after losing dad, um, because that was 25, over 25 years ago now. Um, and learning to do one day at a time because I, I went through such massive grief over that. Um, it was really hard to, to lose him. Um, so learning, you're learning to live in the now. Well, what we've actually got is now. 
And sometimes just to get through, if you're going through a really tough phase in your life, is to just go through it even moment by moment, you know, minute by minute. Step by step. Yeah. And step by step, and that gets bigger and bigger. And, and so now I'm very good at living in the now now. And to my almost to my detriment, I'm not very good at forward planning anymore. <laughs> like I'll, I'll forward, mm. plan, forward plan the magazines, but people will say to me, what's your five-year plan? I'm like, oh, God, I don't, I don't know. Um, I quite like just seeing what's going to happen. Um, and that we, that my partner and I have just bought a, a lovely, pro, a little um, property on Tiako in the bush, um, in Tiako South near Raglan. And uh, we are going to build a little tiny home on it. And it's just such an amazing project. And we're going to, we've found out it's, it's actually overrun by this terrible pest called asparagus weed. And so we're going to be getting oh. in there and we've already spent hours and hours pulling this thing out and it's not easy to get. Yeah, but um, it's going to be a, a long time. We can progress on that, but we're going to be rewilding part of it as well. And um, it's just full of wildlife, and it's lovely. Yeah, incredibly, incredibly and exciting. Is it, is it your is it your bolt hole for weekends, or what's the plan? Yes, it is. It is a bolt hole. Um, although my partner's sort of loving it down there so much, he's spending more and more time down there, and I'm spending more, and more time up here. Um, so I'm like, when are you coming home? <laughs> yeah, it's not the deal. No, yeah, what are you <laughs> down there? So um, yeah, he's currently working remotely from down there from the caravan. Um, but uh, but yes, no, and and then also going back to just sort of um, appreciating, I like because I've lost both my parents, so I keep going on about it. I lost my mum to cancer mm. and I lost dad suddenly in a mm. car accident. So I've kind of had the experience um, of having someone torn away from you with no warning and then watching yes. a beloved person, yes. you know, a family member, my mum, pass away. Mm. And, uh, you know, and growing old is a privilege. Like my dad was, he died when he was my age. And mm. knowing how much energy I still have and how so much yeah. I have to give. And I knew he'd, it just, it's, it's really, you know, you've got to really look at it and not be afraid of aging. And, you know, aging is a privilege. Mm. You know, not all of us get to age. I and, know. Yeah. And I see these young girls and, and um, you know, young colleagues and they, they get all hung up about stuff. And I just really make sure and I just tell them, you, you know, you are so beautiful. Your skin's amazing. You know, you're going to look back. I used to look back at pictures when I was in my, you know, teens and in my 20s. And I thought mm. that I was fat. And I mm. wasn't. Mm. But you're looking at it with sort of like, you know, the eyes of wisdom now, right? The sort of like the hindsight, the beauty of hindsight, one could say. But I think there is something in aging gracefully and actually breaking that down and, you know, doing a story on what that actually looks like and interviewing. You could be, I know you're a creative and you talk about, you know, curating images and you see pictures and everything, but I'm sort of seeing that you could actually, you know, we could take, a, you know, a 15-year-old and a 30-year-old and a, a 40-year-old where most of them have breakdowns and midlife crises, mm. <laughs> you know, and then sort of got you know 50 is sort of or 60 is the new 50 and you know those sort of so generational stories I think would be really interesting to a discuss what happiness looks like and what does aging gracefully actually mean so Mm. there's probably some really rich um, opportunities in there just looking at a broad spectrum of Kiwi women in particular I think and I think it's something that women sort of battle with more than men would you say that's a fair comment oh definitely definitely yeah I mean um you know, when we had Karen Walker on the cover of Good Magazine, it was it had so many positive comments about the fact that she had started to go grey 
naturally yeah. um, during lockdown yeah. and, and, and own it. And she absolutely looks fantastic. Um, I'm exactly the same age as Karen. And I, to be honest, I'm not ready to go grey yet. I just, I've thought about it. And um, when I go to the hairdresser, I just, it just makes me feel a million dollars every time. And I really enjoy the the pampering and the yeah, process. I was going to say pampering. That's the word that came to mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I just it's like a real self care thing for me personally. Um, yes. So it's not about saying whether having going grey naturally or you know still dyeing your hair is um, is right or wrong. It's just sort of what's good for you and what makes you feel good. Um, That's right. And look at the reasons of why you're doing it. Um, and if you're doing it for yourself then go for it. If you're doing it because you think worried about what other people think of you, then maybe you need to rethink that. Mm. That's right. How do you how do you support community in the work that you do? I mean, you obviously have a loyal readership at, at Good, but how do you communicate important things or important messages and build community and find audiences that would be part of your community? How do you do that? Well, we have um, we've had quite a few different initiatives. We had the Good People Awards um, a couple of years ago. They were amazingly successful, and unfortunately, with um, the whole pandemic, that's been put on hold for a while. Um, and but I actually met up with the winner of the Good People Awards, um, Erica Gadsby from Recreate, which is a fashion label. Funny enough, it's mm. fashion label one. I couldn't believe it because we had it across every single category. And yes. I wasn't a, I wasn't a judge. Um, and they won the overall award, which was um, five thousand um, dollars. And each each um, good person that won a category got a full page feature in the magazine as well, as well as an amazing, um, beautiful organic um, basket from Series Organics. And Erica came up to me recently at a fashion show, um, and. If you don't know what Recreate is, it's this amazing um, business in Christchurch that only uses fair trade um, organic cottons and um, all their product is made in Cambodia and they're supporting women in Cambodia who um, have, you know, been in terrible situations. Mm. And uh, Erica came up to me and she said, I just wanted to let you know that winning that award was so pivotal to us to our business she said we were actually on the brink of closure and collapse and we had eight um employees at the time and she said now we have 80 so now they're employing 80 people mm. in Cambodia yeah. in this amazing nurturing caring environment um and those kind of stories just really make me feel fantastic you know you've made a difference right yeah that, yeah that's I mean a tangible outcome yeah yeah, yeah. so we yeah, you know and we yeah. do They're great stories and we have lots of um, not-for-profits um that we talk about we have a good stuff section in the magazine where we you know talk about um a lot of great initiatives and highlight so people can find out about these not-for-profits and be corps mm. and you know, so that you can use if you want to support someone in a way or buy a product from one of these places um, and use the power of purchase to change the world as, well as, right. your, as well as your daily habits. Yes. Yeah. How far ahead are you working on the magazine? Well, we're just about to put out our April, May issue, which is comes yeah. up. Yeah. So we, we sort of, and then we're always working several months in advance. Two to three months kind of ahead. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. 
so, and just fast forward, we're in 2022, and um, I'm sure you've got some interesting projects on the boil. What are you looking forward to the most? Like, have you got anything, some, so you have to set any sort of personal goals, or have you got some professional goals that you're sort of looking to smash out this year? Well, personal goals would be obviously working on the batch idea down mm. in Tiago. Um, mm. And during lockdown, I also bought a motorbike. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, I, I, during lockdown, we were watching um, Ewan McGregor's Long Way Round and Long Way Up and Long Way Down. And I don't know, I just had this idea that that looked really cool. <laughs> wind, still, wind in your hair. Yeah. I s- still haven't ridden it. <laughs> it's been sitting in the garage. <laughs> doing nothing um my partner's like when are you gonna to learn to ride that I'm like oh because it's quite scary but I like to try and do things out of my comfort zone um yeah, yeah. so we just recently went on a trip to we drove just two weeks ago from a road I should say from Christchurch in the Cargill, um ah. on a bike and and, and yes. stayed at some in the Catlins and some campgrounds are you, are you talking way. an e-bike an e-bike no, I should get an e-bike actually, especially what I do. No, this is a motorbike. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah, okay. So you were on the back. Yes, I was on the back. You, yes. Yeah, you, yeah, you weren't driving. Okay, got it. I thought you'd e-bike, and I was thinking that was very ambitious. <laughs> uh, but I have actually just been offered to have an e-bike for a couple of weeks to ride to work. Um, so I'm just having to. Well, they're a lot of fun, and they are a precursor to a motorbike. So I'd suggest that you give that a go first. Yeah. The one that I ride has a sort of a function like a motorbike where you sort of, you sort of supercharge it. So um, right. probably probably worth a go. I'm, I'm actually a sort of conventionalist cyclist, so I've always turned my nose up to e-bikes. But actually, when I got on one the other day, I thought, they're pretty cool. They've got their virtues. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously, with, you know, the borders opening up, you'll, hopefully you'll be able to explore some of your own personal passions, which, you know, involve travel and good wine. And, uh, you know, be able to get back out into nature, maybe outside of New Zealand. So have you got some plans to do any of that? Well, I haven't got any travel plans at the moment, but I, you know, I think it'd be really great once, I suppose, the um, COVID sort of gone through New Zealand quite a bit and we're all, you know, hopefully yeah. a bit more immune to it. Um, yes. It'll be keen to get on a plane and, and go somewhere. I was lucky to get across to Australia last year in the, during the bubble, um, in and out without any issues. Um, mm. And head up to um, the rainforest and top of New, mm. South, um, New South Wales, which is beautiful. Mm. Um, and you're yeah, talking of life-changing experiences earlier. You know, uh, going to Petra and you know Jordan was 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 one of those long-held mm. dreams. I actually had seen this um, picture of Petra on front of National, Ge- National Geographic. I think when I was about seven, and Dad told me all about it and. So they actually stand there in front of the treasury and it was just a magnificent. Yeah, um, I've heard Petra's amazing. It's, yeah. 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 Heard, heard quite a bit about that. It's really a beautiful natural beauty there. Um, oh, well, that sounds like you've got a few things on the boil and I know that you are extremely busy as well. So, But it's great that you've put aside some time and some resource to actually develop this bolt hole of yours. And I do know what you mean about being sort of a bit more immersed in nature and having a place where you can sort of defrag. And it's even better that you've got internet down there. So life will continue to go on. When you talk about a tiny house, uh, that piqued my interest. Are you thinking one of those pre-made tiny houses? Because there are quite a few around you can just pre-buy and put on put on the land. Yes, we are looking at that. Um, mm-hmm. They look really cool. Yes, we, we've been looked at, um, you know, 
grand designs um, sort of style where you we were trying sometimes to get on the helicopter to drop it in because it's in quite an inconvenient place um, where we are. Um, we're down the end of a very long metal road with lots of potholes and access is not easy. So, yes, yeah, um, yeah. it's going to have some challenges to it. But yes. they do look like infinitely cute and functional and there's yeah. sort of a real charm to them. So I think it's it's a great idea and it will take a lot of stress out of building and having to bring in materials and manage supply chain issues, which are very real at the moment. So um, could be good. Well, they are, yeah. and, you, and you can't, for that reason, you can't even get the ones at the moment that are pre-made, so it's quite hard. Right. So we're now yeah. talking, you know, we, we're having this, and I talk about the helicopter, I wasn't really being serious, but um, we did sort of look at the weight of if you could carry one of those in yes. and, and drop yes. it in. Um, and also maybe we look at building it ourselves. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, currently it's going to be Up an adventure. discussion. It's, yeah, it's, it's going to be. That's such a cool project for this year. And I think it doesn't matter really what we put our hand to. We've all needed to exercise an extra measure of patience with the environment that, that we're in right now. And I think you've touched on something also really nice today, which is you used to perhaps be a bit more of a full planner, but probably just because we've had to pivot and be reactive so much in the last couple of years, there's probably many of us and many businesses might have sort of almost changed their strategic approach to things and said, well, look, for now, we are just going to, you know, we are only going to look this far. We can't sort of plan all the way out here. Um, so, you know, that wasn't surprising for me to hear that you're actually quite comfortable to be in that in that space um, yourself with your vision as an editor. And I think sometimes, you know, nice things pop up when you're not kind of over planning things and you can embrace opportunity and spontaneity a little bit more. Oh, I totally agree. You know, you often get PR people ring up and say, can you please give us your year planner for the whole year of what you're going to write about? So they, because then they can plan and try and target products at you. And and I, well, we, we don't work like that. <laughs> we like to be, yeah. like to be, obviously we're not, we do have some planning. Otherwise, we, you know, to be successful. Nothing but, happens. Yeah. Yeah. Successful business. Um, but we, you know, we like to be nimble and to be reactive to what's happening in the moment mm. um, that can be of most benefit to our readers. Mm, yeah, I think that's that's um, totally understandable, and I yeah, I, I totally get that. Well, you know, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks for sort of taking the lid off some of the personal things too that you've been going through today. It's always um, you know special when that happens, and that was quite unscripted and unplanned for. Um, so I know that you know our listeners will probably just love to hear a little bit about you know who you are and how you tick, um, along with you know Good Magazine and all the goodness that you're doing in, in that space too. So. Thank you for joining us. And I do look forward to staying in touch. And all Thank the best for a, for a great year. We've only really just begun. And I hope all the goodness rolls out for you. Thanks very much, Karen. It's been awesome chatting. Thanks for tuning in and joining our conversation. And stay tuned for more episodes. Please rate, review and subscribe. Check out the show notes if you'd like to contact this episode's interviewee. At Source Podcast does not accept any liability for the results of any actions taken or not taken upon the basis of information in this podcast or for any errors or omissions. Those acting upon information do so entirely at their own risk. We recommend that you seek professional assistance from certified doctors for your health and well-being issues.